Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on another couple of games and look ahead to another couple are Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Good to in another episode. And David Forrest this year. David, are you well? I'm all right. These games feel like they were literally about four years ago. I can't. Um, so uh, th- th- there's enough separation between the sort of the trauma of Saturday that means that we can, you know, uh, that I'm fe- I'm feeling good. We were just saying that off air. We've got the Queen of the South and the Morton game to talk about. The Morton game seems like a wee while ago. The Queen of the South game feels like about three months ago. But uh, I was looking at the calendar today and five weeks tomorrow when we are speaking, five weeks today, as you're listening, hopefully, is the last game of the season, which is, is wild to me. I still think we're sort of only about halfway through, but we're only five weeks to go until... We know where we'll be at the end of the season. David, I'll stick with you. We will start with the Queen of the South game. This was a week on Tuesday ago, and it was a 1-0 win. What were your, what are your memories of this one? This is a really um, interesting game in that we were... It, it very much followed a pattern of a lot of our games this season in that we were either... We were rotten in one half and great in another half. So in this case, we were really, really poor in the first half. And then in the second half, we came into it and worked a lot better. We, we realistically should have probably won by more than one goal. It wasn't necessarily horizontal rain. It was more like sort of four-dimensional axis rain. It was all over the shop. It was, you know, it was the wind was blowing everywhere and stuff like that in the first half. And McCall was on record of saying that the rain sort of softened up the pitch and made it a bit easier for them to be able to play on, which is it's very interesting because we talk about, you know, a great home record and, using the pitch to our advantage and stuff like that. But, I mean, McCall was very open that we really struggled on that pitch in the first half, and so did, so did Queen of the South, to be fair, as well. And the first half was attritional and just really, really, really poor from both sides. And, yeah, Kevin Holt, you know, you know we golf clap to Reese Haldane for absolutely calling, putting Holt in penalties, because he, he put it away and I love the fact that Holt he's, he's, he's getting into that sort of Lindsay or Balotone role of being able to provide goals for us as a centre-back um, or well, a left-back but I think McCall said he's going to be a sort of a starting centre-back next season probably like we have a defender who is able to score goals for us that we've missed since Lindsay and it's, it's yeah it's a penalty but it's a penalty that he scored I mean we've had various penalty crises over the years of you know, Graham and Bannigan and stuff like that about missing penalties so for him to slot it away was it was great. So we deserved to win and it was it felt like a huge, huge win at that point because it was a game in hand and we were closing the gap. Um other teams were you know dropping points and stuff like that around us. It felt like something. Well well obviously until Saturday, but it felt like such a huge win at the time that now it maybe doesn't necessarily feel as big, but still I, I know a a great a great game to sort of grind out a win in. You're right, it did feel like something that I think the, the players' celebration certainly contributed to that. The, the scenes when Holt slotted the penalty away, which I actually thought, as you said, was a great penalty because I think sometimes when the goalkeeper goes the right way, you think, oh, is he going to get to it? But it was never in doubt from the moment it left his foot. The goalie went the right way and didn't really get anywhere near it. And then you see Brian Graham looking as delighted as Holt did, which which is great to see because he'll obviously have been a bit gutted that he was taken off them. Dockett, he was running behind the goal, pinging all the, the spare balls into the bing. Great to see. And it did have that sort of big win feel. Obviously, as you say, the, the Morton game sort of brought the mood down a wee bit. I think the, the, the weather itself probably contributed to the, the poor first half more than the pitch. I tweeted out, about a week ago now, I think it was before the Morton game, we've actually got the best home record in the league, which surprised me and I think surprised a few people, which 
it's just surprising due to the state of our pitch. But we've spoken for the last month or two, we need to turn Furhill into a tough place to come. We need to use the pitch to our advantage. We're used to it. Other teams are coming up to Furhill and struggling with it. They're looking tired on it. They're looking leggy on it in the second half. And we're really capitalising with with the late goals. Jamie, what, what can you remember and what were your takeaways from the Queen of the South game? So the first half was, you know, a bit of an eyesore for everyone. It was pretty poor quality half. Allegra was unlucky not to score. Their keeper pulled out a very good stop, but the weather didn't help. It really, really was not a good half of the ball. Second half, it improved slightly, but I still didn't think we were playing our best football. But like you said, we got that penalty. I thought it was maybe a bit soft, but you know we're taking that all day long after some of the ones that have been given against us. Think of you know Richard Foster against Kamarnock, for example. So we'll take that every day. And yeah, Kevin Holt stepped up very well and slotted it away. And yeah, good call from Reese then saying that Kevin Holt should be on penalties because he took that one very well. So I'm guessing we on the next one. It'd be strange to see him taking off. Yeah, it's three points, an important three points. Brian Graham will be pretty frustrated not to have added a second later on, but again, it was another good save from the keeper. But we'll take it any day. But as you said, it kind of it was a great feeling after the game, but it's kind of been eliminated a bit since the Martin game. I, I certainly don't think Hope will be getting taken off the penalties because Graham, Bannigan, and I think Turner was on were all on the pitch at the same time. So it wasn't like it was a sort of last man standing decision to put Hope on it. He was he was obviously first pick and continues his one hundred percent career record after the one he scored for Dundee a few years ago. I think he said, um, Holt said in his interview afterwards that like he they, he had been approached before the game, so in training a couple of days before, and he'd been asked, do you want to be first penalty taker? It wasn't a sort of spur of the moment thing. Like it, it was always going to be the case if we got a penalty, Holt was going to be taking it, uh, which is interesting. Like you know, it, it, again, it's not a spur of the moment thing, and there are people who can do set pieces and stuff like that, and they've taken penalties before and scored goals. But yeah, so it's it, it's an interesting choice for them to make certainly a good one though so so well done Reese Haldane for for being in McCall's ear I'm sure Ian McCall is a regular listener to the podcast so so well done Reese Haldane for that tip anyone get anything anything else to want to comment on the Queen of the South game I know it's so long ago everyone listening has probably half forgotten it okay we'll move on to the Morton game then because I think I think spirits were pretty high getting at the Morton game Morton were off the back of a couple of sort of disappointing results and we were off the back of a couple of late wins going to Capelo. I think everyone quite likes going to Capelo. It's a it's a sort of hmm, two-thirds of a derby, you would say. There's maybe just the the distance between the teams is what stops it from being a, a full-blown rivalry. There's a on. Aye, but there's, there's definitely that sort of animosity between the fans that gives that game the extra edge, I think, spilling over from 2013. And it started well, didn't it? The first half was good, Jamie. What were your takeaways from the Morton game? Yeah, I'd say, I don't know if the full first half, in my opinion, was great, but I think the first 25 minutes, 30 minutes, I thought we did start really well. I thought Yukubiak especially looked, you know, very impressive. He was great with the ball at his feet. You know, uh, know, that's one thing he's really impressed since coming is his dribbling and his ability to beat his man and get out of a situation when he's holding the ball up, he's got two men on his back and he's able just to swivel in between them and he did very well to create the goal when it was flicked onto him, beat his man, cut it back to Kyle Turner who was a bit of a, you know, scrappy finish but we'll take it any day. We made it, made it one now and the problem was we just didn't really take advantage after that. If we could have added a second going into halftime, who knows how the game would have, you know, panned out second half, we might have gone on to win more, you know, to win comfortably instead but we didn't take those chances and into that second half we had that one that I'm not sure if it was a save or cleared off the line. I've not bothered to watch the highlights since, but you know, we then we end up collapsing because they they equalised. They had a you know a st- spell of sustained pressure. To be fair to them, and uh, James then makes a makes a good save, but the ball that we don't we don't deal with the rebound. It falls across the face, and they just hammer it into the empty net. And you know, it's the second goal. The second goal is even worse. You know, it's cut back. Pretty bad defending. Robbie Muir has able to spin in the box. It's not the best finish, but he gets it, and obviously he was loving that. And then we we just couldn't find we couldn't find another goal after that, and it's a very very disappointing result. Two defeats to Morton in the space of like two three weeks. There are obviously negatives that we'll get to, but I want to just go back to Yakubiak. I thought he had a brilliant first half. I think when you're missing Tiffany and you don't really have too much sort of 
dribbling and creative threat from wide positions. Yakubiak sort of took that mantle and ran with it. He was sort of drifting off, drifting into wide left positions in the first half. And the assist for Turner's goal was the first of three or four occasions where he picked the ball up and it looked like he was just going to lay it back or or maybe turn and have a shot. And he brought it down well and he beat one or two men and then put a dangerous ball into the box. I thought that was Yakubiak's best game for us. I was actually a bit surprised when he was taken off in the second half. I think we're going to get to why we why the collapse happened. I think that was maybe one of the reasons. And I'm not saying Graham had a bad game, but I think Graham was probably the standout man to take off. You, you never know if you could be actually get a knock or not. But you know, Graham was on a yellow. Graham's played quite a lot of football. He's 34. Yakubiak was having a better game than Graham at the time. That decision surprised me. So David, I'll come to you. And Al McMillan's asked, "Why aren't we seeing games out?" I'm not overly concerned about why we're not seeing games out uh, from winning positions yet. I think that was quite a rare time of taking a lead and lost this season. But we did concede a late goal at Inverness. Can you put your finger on why this could be happening? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, this question, because, I mean, it kind of brought back a lot of memories of, I mean, we were like an entire um, time in the Premiership, certainly two or three years of that, where we just routinely threw away leads or, you know, holding on for draws and conceding. And we were really, really bad at, at, at um, injury time goals and sort of goals after like 80 minutes used to, you know, joke. We used to be the joke. We were, we were the best rugby team in Glasgow because they played the full 80 minutes and stuff like that. Like, we were, we were really synonymous with that for a while. And then, bizarrely, under Caldwell, that kind of all stopped. I know there was lots and lots of things wrong with the Caldwell administration and but one of the sort of thing the sort of positives is that that sort of mentality of chucking goals in late did kind of evaporate a little bit and then when McCall came in we we kind of kept that up and we we haven't really done that in a while and I think it's strange. I think there is probably a, a thing to be said about how our defence has been so strong for like most of the season, I mean, there's that insane stat that until you know, obviously the Morton game, we were like second only to Man City in the in the UK for like clean sheet ratios, and um, we were tied with Liverpool and stuff like that. Like we clearly had such a great defence, it was able to show up, you know, the back line and make sure we didn't concede goals. And you know, obviously, I can always had a bit of confidence issues you know in terms of his his performance has dipped and he's been dropped and we brought people in and stuff and where you kind of think is it a case of you know now that we've kind of had to been forced into making a change in the defense is it a bit more shaky than it was before i'm not overtly concerned about his conceding late goals um in the way that i was say you know two or three years ago um well can i I come in on that david because i'm just going to back you up I've just gone through the fixtures there, and September the 11th, 2021, was the last time we took the lead in a game and lost uh, until Saturday there against Morton. That was the Inverness away day where that was a complete collapse in the second half. Since then, so that's over six months ago. Since then, the only points we've dropped from winning positions are Hamilton away, which was the first game back after the prolonged winter break that we had, and Inverness away. So it's not really a theme to only drop... um, to only go from winning positions to drawing twice in six months uh, before Saturday, I, I don't think cause for concern. How disappointing it was on Saturday. Yeah, I do think there is a, there is a bit of a a case to be made for saying we're not killing games off. You know, we are winning one 0 Whereas, say, start of the season, the first quarter when we were, you know, tanning teams and putting goals past teams and stuff like that. Obviously, without Tiffany, we we have very much have stuck to game plans and. You know, we've been. It's been difficult for us to react, and we struggle. Where even if we are one 0 up, we can maybe hold off and keep a clean sheet and stuff like that. But we aren't going in and tanning teams to like three four 0 or anything like that anymore. And I think that's more of an issue than the defense is that if we were sort of firing in all cylinders like we were at the start of the attack, we would we would have you know seen this game off and won. But we didn't because we're kind of getting a go up. And then kind of holding on, and then it's backfiring. Again, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a big theme, but I think it is a case of if you if you've got teams who are scoring more goals in games that you are winning, they'll score more goals in games where you you aren't. You know the better team where you know you will nick a goal or whatever here or there. Where 
because the confidence is flowing a little bit, as we've seen, you know, it's like Hamilton 6 1, air 4 0, stuff like that. I think that is more of a concern than the defence. And obviously, we'll get on to the film game and stuff like that down the line, but I'm not overtly concerned because you are still seeing players at Mayo, for example, pulling out great performances, you know, against like Rafe Rovers. Mayo is basically, basically a back four in his own. I think you are still getting players who are pulling out good defensive performances. I think it's just a case of if we were a bit more clinical and getting the goals, we wouldn't need to worry about this. No, I completely agree with you. And I'll pull out another statistic. 13th of November 2021, um, that was the last time we won a game by more than a single goal. And that was the 4-0 win down at Somerset Park. Um, that was also the last time, funnily enough, we won an away game. And by the time we played them firm on away on Tuesday, that would be 129 days. So I would say the away form and the the sort of lack of killer instinct when we're a goal up and when we need to kill it is concerning me more than um, at the other end, despite a slightly sloppier than usual performance on Saturday. Jamie, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think it's time to bring uh, Tunji Akinola back into the side? I'd say yes. I think now probably is the time after that game on Saturday. It was a pretty abject second half performance and we said you know, the goals weren't the best defending, especially the second one. I think, you know, he's he's had some time out this team. He wasn't playing his best before he got dropped, but hopefully that's given us some time, you know, st- stop that bad run, come back in. Good performance. I don't know when we're hope going to be playing now, if he'll be kept to centre-half, if he'll be moved out. Obviously, Mail's not going to be available for, is it the Kamara game? That's um, right, yeah. Next Saturday, so... Maybe we'll see Akinola and Hope playing centre-half together with Foster or Hendry, I don't know who, at um, left-back. But if Akinola comes back, in, we'll probably, I'm guessing, see Hope moving back out to left-back. And McCall did say that that'll happen between now and the end of the season. He'll play a couple more games on the left. So I'd assume so. And I want to see Akinola come back into the squad, to be honest. David, I'll ask you another question that we've had from Ross Alexander. He's asked, what two strikers would you like to see start up front? So again, we've got, we had this a couple of weeks ago in the podcast where we asked, uh, can Graham play twice in four days? We've got Hamilton at home on Saturday and then Dunfermline away on Tuesday. What strike partnerships would you like to see for both of those games? And I'll, I'm going to ask you both a question, actually, before you come in, David. We're, we were talking just a minute ago about the importance of going 2-0 up in a game to see it out. Could either of you want a guess of when we were last 2-0 up or two goals up in a game and didn't win? I think I maybe know. Ross County, Ross County at home, we lost 4-2. Nope. Is it Morton 3-2? Morton 3-2. Oh, right, God. <laughs> so David, Ross Alexander's asked um, about strike partnerships. So Hamilton at home on Saturday and Fermlin away on Tuesday. What do you want to see? This is an interesting one because I think I would probably be sticking Graham up for Hamilton. Um, I feel that, again, sort of going back to the one before, you know, about the Queen of South Morton games, you can't play Graham in both games for 90 minutes. Do you, you know, do you play him against Hamilton or do you play him against Dunfermline? I'd probably play him against, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I'd probably play him against Hamilton because kind of best foot forward, all that. Um, with that, the, the issue for me is that, like, with Allegri and Yakubiak, we've obviously been very, very complimentary about Yakubiak and Allegri as well, to be fair, about how, you know, they're playing really great, you know, they're doing lots of stuff that's, you know, it's sort of the stuff that's not on the, the, the stats at the end of the season. Do you know, they, they're not scoring goals, but they're kind of, they're doing other things there, they're sort of a bit more. They're more of a cog in the machine, so to speak, and that they are they are helping the playing stuff like that. And, and, and I think they always there's sort of to be a, a theme of, of you know these guys will do well, you know they'll they'll grow into it and it will come eventually. But as you say, Matt, there's five weeks left of the season. We don't really have time for they'll come good with goals soon. They need to come good with goals now, to be honest. Um, which. I, I'm a I'm a bit I'm a bit concerned about that and that how many goals are we going to see out of Yakubia and Allegria in in the space of the next five weeks? And like at that at the end of that, we, you know, if if say for example they, they do the sort of play they're doing at the moment but don't necessarily score that often, 
are we going to remember them as fondly as we went up and, and they score goals? And I, I don't know if they are going to do that, but they obviously do have lots of positives to their game. It's just a case of a, a Yukiba Allegria up front. Is that going to be enough firepower for us to score goals and win the game? It, I don't know. That, that's the problem. Like They obviously look very good in spurts and stuff like that, but I, I, I don't know. I would probably put Graham up against Hamilton and then have Allegri and Yukiba. I mean, Dunfermline are stone dead bottom in the league. They get beat by the US Navy last week. That that's that's the sort of game they should be targeting, looking at getting in the score sheet and kind of building that confidence. That sort of rudding against cow and beef sort of thing, where they get the goal and then it, it spurs them on to score more goals. Yeah, I'll keep going back to rudding against cow and beef. Um, just one in off their ass. That's all you need. So I, I'll probably go Graham up front with Yakubiak against Hamilton, and then Yakubiak and Allegria against Dunfermline. All right, congratulations to Dunfermline for the three points next Tuesday then. Getting the digs in while they're down about the. Oh US no, I've got the intro in my head already. Is what I'm <laughs> gonna... Jamie, any thoughts on the front two or the starting eleven in general for the next couple of games? For the Hamilton game, I'd probably go with you could be acting Graham again. Uh, I know Graham's not scored in the last is his last five games, but I'm still gonna I'm still clinging on to what I said earlier in the season about how he goes through patches of like scoring four in a row and then going like four or five goal, uh, games without a goal. I know he's on a bit of a bit of a dry spell on goals right now, but I think the minute he scores one, that he'll be get back into some form, score hopefully three, four, something like that in the space of as many games. I just feel like it's the kind of striker he is. Against Dunfermline, I don't know. It's kind of hard, it's hard to call. Like we said, I don't know if Graham's going to be able to manage two starts in that short amount of time. The Dunfermline game and the Hamilton game, they're both down that end of the league fighting for their lives right now. And they're they're needing the free points as much as we are. We're needing it up the other end. They're needing it to stay up. And they're both going to be, I think, tight games. I can't see us going in there and winning cup. I don't think we're going to go in there and like steamroll either team at all. I think it'll be one 0 two 0 tops maybe. And I think I'd make a couple changes. I'd make a couple changes. Sadly, I quite like to see Stephen Hendry coming to the side uh, left back though, not left mid. Although McCall's brought him on there twice this season, which is you know some of McCall's subs have been a bit bizarre this season. Uh, I'd like to see him get a start. I hope Turner uh, keeps his spot. It'll be interesting to see if McAllister plays any sort of a role because, you know, he'll must be regretting this loan move so far as he's probably playing less here than he did at St. Mirren. But I'm interested to see what changes we make. Akinola may be coming back in and two important games. We've got to win both. Any, any slim chance we have left of a title, even though I'm not very confident in that anymore, we minimum need six points here. No, I agree with um, regards to the title. Um, I'm just going to get the league the league table up in front of me because I have been um, keeping a close eye on it. I think 66 points is going to be the it should be the target if we're hoping to win the league. In our remaining games, we are going to need 21 points in eight games. So I agree, we're going to need to win these two. It's going to be a near perfect run if we're going to win the league. And I don't think we can afford to drop points in either of the next two games for that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, I know we have spoke, we have played the what, what's the chances of winning the title game a lot. I think at the start of the season, if you did ask us, despite how disappointed we were with both Morton defeats, if you said to us in the middle of March with eight games to go, you'll be fairly comfortably third, you know, three points clear of fifth with a game in hand, we'd all have taken it. It's maybe frustrating because it's a growth who we're chasing. I'm not sure if that's sort of changed people's mindsets about the title, but anyone want to come in about how we're feeling at this stage of the season? I mean, I'm looking for. I was looking forward to this show trial. I was going to get a, a, a relentless optimism, but I, I, it feels like a title no one wants to win. To be honest, if we keep, people keep dropping fucking points all over the shop, I think our broken command have won what three games all year, and so have we. Um, like no one wants to win this fucking title, even though outwardly they are. Like it, it just seems to me that teams are just dropping points. Ourselves are broke. Like I don't think Kilmarnock are going to win eight out of eight. I don't. I don't think we're going to win eight out of eight either. I just. I don't know. It's. It's. So Kilmarnock have got seven games left, and to get to the sixty-six point total, which I think could be enough, they need four wins and a draw, which doesn't sound. 
crazily good form out of seven games for a league winning. But they still uh, have to play us and our brof, is that right? Yeah, but I, I believe they're both at Rugby Park. And I know their home form's actually not been too clever, but, you know, Kilmarnock haven't been great by any stretch. And I don't think their fans are too happy at the moment. But I think if you said to them again at the start of the season, oh, you'll have seven games to go. And if you win four or five of them, you win the league, they'd have been like, aye, we'll take it. I, I make Kilmarnock, I make Kilmarnock the favourites, to be honest, and they weren't even that convincing on, on Friday night. I know they had a, a very good start to that game, but for the last hour, they've, I don't know if they took their foot off the pedal, but it was a good chance for them to sort of boost their goal difference, because there's, there's a very fair chance it could come down to that at the end of the season, and they didn't do it at all, and in any game I've seen Kilmarnock, they've not been too convincing, but I, I do make them the favourites, I think as well, it's an it's an airshow derby. Like, would I mean? Obviously, there is that whole thing of how much do players actually give a fuck about, you know, the the, the club and you know, the derbies and stuff like that, and like you know. But like, it is it is like their biggest rivals. You shouldn't really be taking your foot off the gas if an hour to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not that's not a thing you should be doing. So, I, I think there is, there's a bit of that, and there's a bit that, that isn't. That's maybe just that they they weren't that great, and they get a bit lucky to be three goals up. Yeah, we'll skip um, the the percentage game this week. I'll ask that again after the next two games because after the next two games we go into the Kilmarnock and our both games and then we'll have a very good idea about how the season's going to shape up. But I will ask you this question, okay? So since the Premiership playoffs come in and that is eight or nine years ago now, no team that finished below second has been promoted. So third plays fourth and the winner of that plays second and then the winner of that plays 11th in the Premiership. So if you finish third or fourth, you need to win three ties. So the question I'm going to ask you is, if you could stop the season now and we were guaranteed to finish second, would you take it? Now, I, I, I'll, I'll fully admit here, I don't give the slightest fuck about the Premiership. And Dundee are bottom, is that right? Currently, I believe so. Who is it? St. Johnson and eleven. Johnson and eleven. Yeah. I'm not giving any specifics about playoff opponents, but we. No, no, no. But then this is what I mean. Like, yeah. yeah, this is what I mean. Like, I, I don't know anything about the sort of <laughs> the Premiership outside Dundee are really bad, and I keep posting memes at them every time they lose, but. You need, you need to have a bit of courage and conviction about yourself. I don't think I'd take it. Oh, bloody hell. Jamie, you taking that? Yeah, I, I would take it, to be honest. I mean, originally I was, I started to, you know, I started to really believe the, you know, back-to-back titles and oh, just these two results against Morton, a couple of other points we've dropped here and there, you know, the Inverness draw, the, the Rafe draw. I just think we've dropped one too many points to win the title of this at this stage, if I'm honest. But if we go on a run and prove me wrong, I'll, I'll be as happy as. So I'm happy to prove him wrong, but yes, I'd take second, man. No, I, I agree. I think second would be a fantastic season. I don't think there's any point in time from when we secured the League One title last season to now where I wouldn't have taken second. I think second would be a, a fantastic season. Um, and it would give us a real good chance of going up. I've I've read a few comments that the they don't think the team's quite ready for the Premiership. I'm not too sure about that, to be honest. I know that's looking a bit too far ahead, but I think we could hold our own in, in the playoffs. Um, and I think second would be an excellent result. Obviously, we've still got a lot of work to do to secure second. Um, or both a couple of disappointing results, but I don't think they're going to tail away. So I think second would be a really good outcome. But... First isn't dead yet. It's twenty-one points in eight games. Very doable. I think. I think for me, the the reason behind it is we're pro- we're probably going to finish first, second, or third. You know, and I think I, ideally, Abro, Kilmarnock, or us could finish first, second, or third. It is a bit of a lottery in that anyone can win the title, anyone can come second, anyone can third, come third. I, I, I think based on that, it's a case of with teams sort of chucking points away and stuff like that. You know, there is a high probability we will finish second or, or first anyway, just based on other teams falling and us, you know, if we go in a run like we did last season and stuff like that, like, 
do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I get what you mean, and I, I get that this is a, a sixty-six percent chance of his yeah, guy. Yeah, David, we could we could easily come fifth. Like we've just seen Inverness oh, and Wraith have just went on like eleven game winless runs. We are sort of struggling to create without Tiffany, like one or two more injuries, and you're like, oh, that yeah. that could be us on a not winning another game till the end of the season and we're fifth. And yeah. that's us done with no playoffs at all. I would say in terms of obviously about the premiership, you know, the team and stuff like that, there is I think one of the things that a lot of people have talked about this season is that there is a lot of parallels with the team of the sort of twelve thirteen championship season where the, the, that team was really bonded together. They were a team. They were like they knew each other in and out, and they worked really well as a team that wasn't sort of individualistic players that got us over the line. It was a sort of a collective effort. However, when we went up to the Premiership, obviously a lot of that team stayed for that first season, and we we know we added a couple of players here and there to kind of strengthen the squad. And that, and I feel that there is a sort of similarity that with this team, and that there is clearly a team there. Of players who play for the team and are a collective who can who can play well together, and I don't think you need too much cosmetic surgery if we went up to the Premiership to kind of keep ourselves safe. If you know what I mean, like I don't think no, we're I, going to be. I agree. Yeah. That that's probably that's definitely a conversation for another day. If and when we we do get promotion, but I, I do agree with you. I'm going to ask you one more question um, to the two of you. And it's one that's come into my head because David just mentioned the similarities that have been drawn between this team and the 12-13 team. I think the similarities are more the fact it's a, a successful team and the, the team looks so together rather than the style of play on the park. So here's a question I'm going to ask you. If you put um, the 12-13 Stephen O'Donnell and Aaron Taylor Sinclair into this team at fullback, do we win the league? Yeah, Yeah, I think we would. I'm tempted to agree. I think that is a key area where we, we need to improve um, in the summer. I know there's been rumours of, of Milne from Cove coming in, but I, I do think that sort of hampered our, our attack and play going forward. And it's I think it's been highlighted with Tiffany out because we don't really have any wingers either at the moment, or out-and-out wingers, that we're really not getting anything from, from wide areas. And it's not to say that I, I dislike Foster, McKenna, Holt when they play there. I think they, they've all got really good attributes and I think they're all actually really solid defenders. But I think going forward, especially in, in open play, I think uh, Holt's obviously a threat from set pieces, but in open play going forward, I think we struggle from that position. We're going to take a break now to go across to our second Pie of the Month segment, courtesy of Pie Sports. That's Hello and welcome to our second Pie of the Month segment, courtesy of our friends at Pie Sports. This month I'm joined by David Forrest. David, how are you? Hello, um, I'm not bad, I'm doing well. I was going to say, just to start this segment off, obviously last time we were on talking about pies, we reviewed the kebab pie, which which was a very favourable review. And since then, you know, the kebab pie and Lewis Mayo were the two low knees we were desperate to see turn permanent. And since then, the kebab pie has signed a permanent deal at Farhill. So we're all delighted to get, get the kebab pie on board because as a screamer of a pie. Absolutely, definitely. Um, just a, a great piece of business. Yes, um, well done, well done the club um, for getting that over the line. David, did you have a pie at Capelo on Saturday? Uh, well, no, nobody could because there was no fucking food available. Um, we got half time, there was nothing left. Um, That's I know it was, I was, it wasn't great, but I mean, it's it's the least of Morton's issues in terms of you know <laughs> organisation at Capital <laughs> um, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, we'll let them off with it. I did manage yeah. to find a pie at Capital, but I used to I used to really like the Capital pies because you used to be done and your wee foil tin was full of grease, but none of that this Saturday. It was almost like skinny Scotch pies, so. You know, I, that just added to the disappointment of the day. Really. I think it was. It used to be Alds because the sausage rolls were cracking. So I used to go for a sausage roll every time. It used to be Alds, but Alds kind of went through a bit of a bad time. And um, I, I don't know if they do them anymore. But yeah, you can see a notable decline since. Alds you know, maybe on the bench just to get a bit of confidence I, back in before they're, before they're brought back into the side. 
Absolutely. But um, while we're waiting, the pie is literally in the oven as you speak. But that is 9.34 on Monday morning and the pie <laughs> is in the oven. <laughs> but um, what, what, what a horrific life. <laughs> um, while the pie is in the oven, I've prepared you a pie quiz and I've oh, got... I'm so excited. I've got... I've got actual stakes to this right so it's a 10 question quiz five or more i'll buy you a pie and a drink at the next game mm-hmm. 10 i'll buy mm-hmm. you two pies and a drink oh boy. Okay. i i don't think you're getting 10 to be fair but okay uh i'm 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 kind of half and half and you know i think you might get you might get five so right, let's we just go for it then yep i'm excited i think so you've kind of already answered this but um question one along with the steak and sausage pie which we're going to be reviewing um later on in the segment name two other pies of the month um so you've had the the kebab pie of course mm-hmm. and We've done a chicken Balmoral pie, I believe. With, with we ha- we have indeed. Yeah, so, so well done. That's, that's one point. Um, next up, which Premiership club also uses pie sports? Oh, St Mirren. Correct. Well done. Oh, here we go. Uh, this one, I'm 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 not so confident, but um, which football team won the 2022 Football Pie World Championship? Actually judged by James Kearney, friend of the show. Oh. Um, I, the, the dream, isn't it? You, you've got a couple of years to get there, but yeah, um, right. he, he judged the football pies. I will say, I don't know if you know this team exists. <laughs> All right, I was right. So I was going to say Air United, so I'm going to not say Air United then. Um, You're in the right ballpark. I'll give you a quote. You are in the right ballpark in terms of the area. It is like okay, I'll go for winning air. Rangers then. It's a it's a good show. It's Beef Juniors. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, Do you know the pie. I don't know the pie, but um, I know the fan base. They once had bottled my pal. Um, so <laughs> have to be, take a wee trip down there with a helmet on. I <laughs> pretty but, much I. Yeah. Uh, so um, still two out of ten. You're, you're on course for a pie and a drink. Um, so question four: According to Paul Hollywood's recipe for the perfect football pie on the BBC website, which of these is not an ingredient? Tomato puree, Worcestershire sauce, peas, or milk? Right. I imagine Paul Hollywood, they like weird pies in England, right? But I don't know what what where tomato puree is going. I can imagine like ketchup on the top, but if he's putting peas in it, where's the p- tomato puree going? I'm going tomato puree, final answer, Chris. It's milk. Oh, gee. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a disgrace, isn't it? Um, if you are listening, there, man. I know, man. Um, if you are listening, Pie Sports, don't don't bother with that. No. <laughs> like, question five: Bovril is vegetarian, true or false? Um, I'll say true, but then I also add it's probably not vegan. Then, yeah, you're absolutely bang on. Um, it's been vegetarian for about fifteen, tw- about fifteen years now. Um, well right. before the, the trend. Um, it's yeast instead of beef now. Aye. But yeah, but they do have a vegan bovril as well. So yeah, nice. bang on. There you go. Three out of ten. In the nursery rhyme, how many blackbirds were baked in a pie? I don't even know the nursery <laughs> rhyme. Um, try to think how many blackbirds you could fit in a pie. Try to think back to chicken run. Um, six. <laughs> It is, it's four and twenty. Oh gee. I know. Ah, oh, you're, you're in rofe territory here. I know, still one, on one, three. three out of seven or something. I know. Yeah. Aye, aye. Yeah, three yeah, out of six. Have so. a relegation battle. I've got myself into. I know. Um, quote the number pi to five decimal places. Three point one four nine one six. Three point one four one five nine. Oh gee. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's, it's playing it in the corner flag at this point. Um, it really is. Aye. Um, name two actors or actresses from the American Pie series. I've got absolutely no idea. I've got absolutely no idea. Um, I kind of think of American actresses. Um, I've I've never seen it. I can't even picture what like a still image would look like. Um, <laughs> fuck noise. Adam Sandler and Sandra Bullock. Absolutely no idea. I I mean it's good guesses, but unfortunately not. I mean you 
um, I'm not going to run through the IMDb That's cast right. list. If you know, if you know, you know. Um, I, really I think you, my homework. I think you might be all right. You might be in safe ground with these two. So then the, the question you do indeed, yeah. So it's the, the drama. Um, so you've obviously mentioned the kebab pie is the, the latest permanent signing. Can you name the other four permanent pies available at Fur Hill? Scotch pie. Yep. Steak pie. Yep. I'll 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 you want a clue. We're not. We're, are we accepting like sausage rolls? No. No, no, no. So it is a pie. I will say. So one of them was Mary Black's favourite pie. Is that a curry pie? Yep. And um, whose curry pie is it? Uh, Mister Singh's. Mister Singh's curry pie, indeed. And I would say we need a vegetarian option. So what's the the vegetarian uh, option? I'll go macaroni. Correct. Well done. Oh, there you go. Four out of ten. This is for how many? And the uh, final question. In 2013, Gareth Bale was sold to Real Madrid for around £80 million. How many Gareth Bales could you buy with the amount Britain spends in pies each year? Would it buy half a Gareth Bale, two Gareth Bales or 12 Gareth Bales? This is like my Queen of the South away, this question, isn't it, in the last day? <laughs> really need this to stay up, <laughs> even though it would sort of paper off some tracks on a convincing season. Right, so 80 million, right, so we're talking 40 million, 160 million, or like a billion. Mm-hmm. It's 960 million if we're doing the, the, the correct right. maths. Well, think, how much do you spend in pie alone? Well, see, I'm I'm over the average in this, right? So, <laughs> twenty. So we're talking. If it's the the high one, we're talking every person, including kids, is probably spending around twenty quid a year in pies. Yeah. Aye, we'll go with that one, Clive. Final answer. Um, twelve Gareth Bales. Twelve Gareth Bales. Correct. Oh right. yes. You'll never see anything <laughs> like this again. What two thousand five West Brom great escape there. <laughs> there you go. So c- congratulations, right. Matt. Five David, out of ten. I'm gonna run downstairs and get a pie out of the oven before my kitchen catches fire. I will be back <laughs> very shortly. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Hello. back with the pie sports steak and scotch uh, sausage pie. You need to Good let stuff. me catch my breath for a minute. So those pies are absolutely panning in your, your stamina. I'd love to say I've not been the same since having COVID, but that is the pies. <laughs> right, so we've got... Okay. So this is the pie sports steak and sausage pie. We do have a nice sort of puff crust pastry on top. The sides of the pies, the the structural integrity of the pie is good. The pie's not collapsing in any way when you pick up, which I think is an important feature of a match day pie. There's, there's no worse thing. I mind the steak pies at Fahill a few years ago. They used to be delicious. If you picked it up, you'd, you'd be basically like picking steak and gravy up with your fingers for the next 10 minutes. No structural integrity. Whoever's designed this, the architecture, the architecture is very good. So, steak and sausage, gravy inside, puff pastry. We'll have a taste. Quite say it's unusual for a, a football steak pie to have sausage in it. It's something my mum does with her steak pies. And I'm a so see, it's fan. more of a Sunday thing, isn't it? It's more yeah. like a New Year's Day di- di- uh, dinner yeah. sort of thing. I've got to say, I'm a huge fan. Adds to the sort of beefy nature of the, the steak pie. Adds a certain kick. Very good uh, gravy to, to meat ratio. Always important in a steak pie. Nothing worse than just having a gravy pie. Or even worse, the opposite. Steak in it with no gravy. The gravy to, to meat ratio is very good. I'm a huge fan of the pastry as well. I'm going to give this pie... A nine out of ten, I think. It's going to get a nine from this corner. A, ha- a high praise. So um, up there with the kebab pie. 
Oh, it should. It should. It's David. Basically, what we're going to find out on this segment is I'm an absolute bore <laughs> for meat and pastry. Um, so like anything that's below seven is going to basically give me food poison. But um, take take nothing away from it. You know, you can only eat what's in front of you. It is sensational. That is true. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, um, thanks again, Matt, um, for your culinary opinions. Yeah, I hope you you enjoy the rest of your your pie and. Um, and I hope you enjoy your pie and, and, and drink um, at the, the game on Saturday. Oh. That'll get you. <laughs> Thank you very much, David. I'm, I'm sure the BBC2 um, miniseries where we travel the country, <laughs> take some pies. It's just around the corner. Uh, Absolutely. You take care of yourself. <laughs> you too. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Partick Thistle. Partick Thistle. We'll finish as we always do with our Partridge Thistle section and as the Hall of Fame is coming round again, Thistle have already announced that Jimmy Davidson and Chris Erskine will be inducted in the next Hall of Fame dinner. I'm going to ask the two of you, what Hall of Fame should you be in? Have you got one, Jamie, or do you want me to go first? I don't know, David, yet. You always have a good one. Go on first. So um, I, I generally caution my life being all right at most things and not amazing at any, any one particular thing, just kind of passing, you know, getting by on most things. However, uh, so I, I did struggle with this one. However, uh, when I was uh, a student, sort of like early 20s and student years as well, uh, I used to put on lots and lots of metal gigs um, in Glasgow. Um, if any of our fans, any of our, any of our listeners are fans of um, thrash metal and were into it in the sort of early 2010s, I guarantee you went to one of my gigs and probably had a great time because there were just mad drunken affairs um, and had lots of people like who you know said it was some of the best gigs they've ever been to in their life and stuff like that. I every time I go to Sleazy's, I never need to pay in because the bouncer used to come. Um, so he gets me in for free every single time now. They were quite chaotic and uh, yeah. So I, I would probably say, if I, despite the fact I cannot play an instrument, if I had to be in a Hall of Fame, it's probably going to be the Glasgow Thrash Metal Hall of Fame. Just purely because I put on a, a bunch of gigs and then stopped doing it, and then someone revived it and basically named it after the gigs that I used to do because it was such like an, an iconic name at the time amongst like. 40 ratty drunken metalheads that it was seen as like a draw um so yeah i'd probably say the glasgow thrash metal hall of fame i'd probably win it also i'm no bad at stage diving as well so i'd probably get away with that jamie well once again of course i don't have uh is such a detailed story as david but uh i used to be quality back in the day remember whenever we used to play at mario kart on the wii i was <laughs> top notch at mario kart on the wii i was unbeatable at that so i put myself in the mario kart hall of fame but it has to be on the way could you do rainbow road because that's really stoke away that's the test i could i could, I could do yeah <laughs> i could do rainbow road on a cold night i could do rainbow road uh, i'll, I'll we'll, I, we'll admit you for that then i i feel that there's a great um sort of i think there's a great sort of twitch stream in this because i'm really good at the n64 one Everyone seems to be good at one jet console from Mario Kart, and then the rest are absolutely shit. <laughs> I am my the DS, DS yeah, my, my, my wife's amazing at the SNES one, and I'm shit at the SNES one. She, I'm good at the N64 one. And um, yeah, I think my, my, my cousin's like amazing at the Switch one, and absolutely can be in that. So yeah, I think our far best of five series of me and you at Mario Kart and all the different consoles, that's, I'd be into that. <laughs> well... As always, thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to look back on both the Hamilton and Infernum games and then we can preview what will be the title run-in at that stage. We'll all have six games to go and we can have a real look at how the promotion picture is shaping up. Thank you to Jamie and David for joining me this week and in the meantime, stay safe.